Bibles, please, to the book of Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. I wish I had a lot of time to really delve into the whole story that we're going to be talking about here this morning. But we don't have that much time, but it's it's uh, so very helpful to consider exactly what took place. Paul is on his third missionary journey. He is en route to Jerusalem. And uh, going there to, it says in verse number 17, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church there. It was a church very dear to him. He normally would have stopped there to be with them. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, he knew that he was trying to get to Jerusalem before, uh, what was it, before uh, the, uh, the, the Pentecost, I believe it was. And so wanting to get there in a hurry, he bypassed Ephesus uh, and goes to Miletus. But when he gets there, he sends for the elders of the church. And, and the word that's used there actually means a summons. It is though he is using his apostolic authority to order them to come and to meet me here uh, at Miletus and it's on the seashore. And by the way, that would not have been an easy trip for those men. If you'll do a little research, you'll find that it would have been a difficult trip, but yet they were willing to make it because of their love uh, for Paul. And so he begins to rehearse uh, with them regarding his ministry there at the church at Ephesus. But I want you to notice for now, verse number 22, where he says, And behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. I admire great people. Now notice I did not say I admire talented people or, uh, or famous people. There are a lot of famous and talented people in the world today. Hollywood's full of them. There'd be a bunch of them playing football this afternoon and what have I don't admire any of them for doing those things. What they do might uh, be excellent, but I have no admiration for what they do. So when I use that word great, I'm speaking of it as measured by the standard of God's word because nobody is truly great uh, if they're living in rebellion against the word of God. Surely we could agree on that. And and I love to read about great men and women uh, throughout history. And, And I've had the privilege of knowing some truly great people. Uh, by my definition, I'm talking about great people. Sometimes whenever I think about heaven, I think about uh, how wonderful it will be to meet all of the great people in heaven. You know, they've in fact songs about it. Brother Dean Monk back there, they probably remember that old song says, they're going to meet with James and John and a million more. And a lot of songs make reference to that, of those that we're going to see whenever we get there. And of course, we all know that we want to see Christ, you know, before anybody else. But, but I'll tell you, <laughs> uh, right after that, I want to meet the Apostle Paul. I really do. 
you talk about a remarkable man. I, I, I just don't think there's been a more remarkable man since Christ in my judgment. But as great as he was, there were some things he couldn't do. Not only that, but Paul was probably the most knowledgeable man, uh, knowledgeable concerning truth of anybody on earth. He could delve into the mysteries of justification and sanctification and glorification. He knew something about prophecy. He knew something about history. Here's a man that was absolutely brilliant and the Spirit of God had enlightened his mind and he knew all of this stuff. In fact, he even knew some things about heaven that he was not permitted to talk about. But there was something Paul did not know. He didn't know it all. And he tells us here, he did not know the future. Notice again what he says here in our text. He, he says in the, in the very last part, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. All he knew was what God had revealed to him. He knew in general, if you read on, he knew in general that he was going to suffer persecution. Look at verse number 23. He knew that. It was not going to be easy. It was going to be difficult. God told him that, but he had no details about the journey that he was to embark upon because God did not reveal all of the future to him. Well, I think it's easy for us to make an application this morning, when we think about our own lives personally and corporately, and we think about the future, it's easy for us to realize that we are all ignorant as to what the future holds. It might be painful, but hey, it might be pleasant. Uh, Brother Chris Carter had a had a post on Facebook that celebrated his grandmother's hundred hundredth birthday and had a picture of her standing there and I, I told Bev I said you got to see this I, I've never seen anybody a hundred years old that looked as good as she does it's absolutely mind-boggling and amazing that but let me tell you there are folks that at 60 years old sometimes that are out here in nursing homes. I'm trying to tell you the future can be pleasant or it can be painful and you don't know what it's going to be. It might be prosperous or you might find yourself in poverty. It might be sickness or health. It might be loss or gain. It might be life or it might be death. But every one of us is forced to face an unknown future. God's not given us the ability to foresee what's going to happen down the road, and He does that for good reason. So we all have to face the future not knowing what it holds. You pray for me that I don't get off into politics here. Because all of us no doubt have that in mind and I'm trying to I'm trying to get away from that and at the same time we need to think about what we're going to do when things don't turn out as we prefer if that happens you don't know we have no idea how things are going to turn out and 
for whatever, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, we have to face an unknown future. And so the question is, how shall we face the future? Well, the first thing we better do is get the facts about God in mind. You know, we can be confused about a lot of different things and we'll get along just fine. Really. I mean, it won't make any difference. I bet a lot of us thought, boy, the Texans are going, we're going to get to the Super Bowl this year maybe. Uh, J.J. Watt went down and boy, our, our hopes went out the window. There'd be no Super Bowl for us. You see, there are a lot of things in life exactly like that. You can be wrong about your estimation as to who's going to win the Super Bowl. Or, or listen, it might be that you'll make an investment and be wrong about that. You might lose every penny you've got. I don't know. But I'm telling you, you can survive all of those things. But if you don't get the facts about God, you are in trouble. You better get the facts about God. I'm so glad that right now that we're in our series in Sunday school about knowing God. What could be more important than that? Knowing God. Get the facts about God. Now, I'll say that for several reasons. Because when we think about the future, we have to remember the future is controlled by God. He either causes everything or He allows everything. Amen? So as you face the future, whatever it is, don't you ever forget God is in control. Not only that, but God tells us not to worry about it, not to fret about it. Why? Well, we can't change it. We can't control it. So if God is in control of it and God can change it, we shouldn't be worrying about it. Right? But besides that, you're thinking, well, what, what if things turn out bad? And they might. You need to face the future without having any question about God's goodness. And so many, so many times we try to measure, you know, how good God is by how prosperous we are. God's good whether you're living out here on the street or living in a mansion. God doesn't change because of your circumstances. He is what He is and He's always good. God is good and not only that, as you face the future, not only should you not doubt the goodness of God, but you shouldn't doubt the wisdom of God because He knows exactly what is best. You know, we look at a situation and think, oh my, what if the vote goes this way and what if that happens and so forth. And, uh, uh, if, well, if she wasn't a woman, she'd make a good pastor or a good uh, preacher, a good preacher with, on the way over here. And it's amazing how many times she has to remind me of some things. And we was talking about, yeah, you know, yeah. And uh, what if, and I said I wasn't going to get on this stuff. Well, give me an E for effort. I'm trying anyway. And she made the statement, you know, but it might be for our good. It might be what we need. Now, I already knew that deep down in my heart. I've preached about that because, listen, there have been many times that God has let really bad stuff happen in order to accomplish something good. Don't you question the wisdom of God whenever things in the future don't turn out the way that you want it to. And certainly don't question the love of God because He loves you regardless of 
you know, what you might be going through. His love never changes. So face the future with the facts about God. And it's important that you get the facts because not just what you believe about God. Wow, I mean, people everywhere believe something about God, don't they? You better get the facts about God. And the only place you're going to get the facts about God is right here in this old black book I'm holding in my hand, the Word of God. It gives you the facts about God. Face the future with the facts about God. But not only that, we have to face the future with faith in God. Right? Because it, the Bible says it's the only way we can please God is what? By faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, God expects us to trust Him regardless of the circumstances. And that's why, listen, that's why it's so important for us to know the facts about God. Romans ten seventeen says, For if by faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. Whenever you get the facts about God, that builds up faith in God. The reason some people don't have a lot of faith in God, they don't know anything about God. And the more you know about God, and, and the more that you're willing to surrender yourself to God, the greater your faith is going to be in the Lord. Listen, that's not only the only way that you can please God by trusting Him. Think about what a great offense that must be whenever God says, I want you to trust me. You can't please me any other way. And we say, no, I'm not going to do it. That'd be an insult to God. If you want to please God, you have to trust God. But not only that, it's the fact that that is the only way possible that you can have peace in this world. Right? If, 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 you can't depend on what the world offers you. You can't depend on what you are able to do. The only possible way to have peace in your heart is to have faith in God. That's the only way. And so many times we want to blame the circumstances. Well, you know, I would really be at peace and I would really enjoy life, you know, if all of these things changed. In other words, you're depending on circumstances for everything. And I'm telling you, God's the only thing you can really depend on. Now, I could say, you know, that just sums it all up. That if we're going to face the future, whatever the future is, we need to get the facts about God. We need to have faith in God. That just sums it all up. We might as well just quit right there. But the fact is, there are some other things that we need to take into consideration. As we face the future, we ought to do so with fearlessness. Notice what he said in verse number 24. Now remember, I want you to look at verse 23 again to get what he's talking about. He said, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Verse 22, save except that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions. Well, that doesn't sound very exciting, does it? Bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me. Well, that listen, that'd be enough to stop a lot of people. And remember, this isn't guesswork. He doesn't know all about the future, but he has assurance from God himself that you are going to face bonds and afflictions. You are going to suffer. This is going to be a costly trip, Paul. It's going to be painful. You're going to get hurt. And without fear, he faced the future 
willing to do the will of God, knowing what God just said about it. And make no mistake about it, sooner or later you are going to face some difficult days in the future. And yet we can't get away from the fact that the Bible commands us in Philippians 4 to be careful for nothing. That we're not to worry about anything. I, I'm not always successful at that. I say that to my shame. There are times I fail at that. I shouldn't fail at that. You shouldn't fail at that. Whatever the future is, we ought to face it fearlessly. Why? Well, because we have a great God that's able to get us through anything God brings us to. God can do that. Not only that, but we need to face the future with fidelity to duty. Notice verse 24 again. He said, none of these things move me. Well, Paul, why are you so determined to, to go there knowing that you're going to suffer? Well, he explains that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Boy, there's a great lesson here for us. And that is this, that we are not excused from duty because it's difficult or dangerous. It was going to be difficult and dangerous for Paul. And notice he says, look, I, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not turning around. I'm not going back. I'm going straight ahead. I'm going to do what God wants me to do, even though it is painful, regardless of what the future brings. I, I wonder how many of us have that kind of holy determination. Whenever we think about what God's people have suffered, and boy, you go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 down through verse 38, and it talks about the people of God that live by faith and, and, and all of the horrible, terrible things that happened to them. They were sawn asunder. They, they were sewed up in animal skins. They, they were mutilated and, and, and suffered in every way imaginable, and yet they kept right on living by faith rather than giving up. And Paul said, I'm determined. I'm going to finish my course. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving. I'm going to finish the ministry that God gave me. And whatever the future holds, Regardless, and it can get really bad and really painful. You ought to face the future with fidelity to your duty, to your responsibility. None of us ever have a right to give in and quit just because things are not going our way. We have a responsibility to God to keep going and doing what He wants us to do regardless if the whole world hates us or whatever happens to us. We ought not to quit. And Paul was determined that he was not going to quit. But there's something else that I think contributed to that that will help us as we face the future. And that is we need to face the future with faithful promises in mind. Now, I, by that, and I use that phrase intentionally because you'll remember that Peter said, Unto us are given exceeding great and precious promises. I'm saying we serve a God that can't lie, folks. Amen. And He has given us these exceeding great and precious promises. You know, I, I look at Paul here and I wonder about why Paul was so determined to move ahead in the face of danger and not shrink back in fear. We can find the answer. Look back in chapter number 19, verse 21. 
Chapter 19 and verse number 21, there's something really important here where he says in the very last part of it, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. Now look in chapter number 23 and verse number 11. Chapter 23 and verse number 11. And it says, And the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. You see, God had assured Paul that you're going to make it to Rome. Hey, they're going to lock you up. They're going to beat you up. You're going to suffer horribly. But I'm going to get you to Rome. And boy, whenever you go on and you begin to read the account as he is en route, by the way, and you'll remember that, that there was a, there was a, was a, the seas were terrible. The ship is falling apart. They're throwing everything overboard, trying to save themselves. And Paul said to the captain of the ship, he said, sirs, be of good courage. Don't worry about anything. Look, they, they think they're going to sink. He says, for I believe that it shall be even as God has promised me or told me. You see, even there in the middle of that storm, Paul was depending on God. That's chapter 27, verse 25. He was depending on the promise of God to get him there. Look, folks, we don't know what might happen, but we do know what will happen. Now, that's not doublespeak. We don't know what might happen, do we? could be bad could be good, health, sickness. We don't know, right? We don't know what might happen, but we do know not what we do know what will happen. By that, I mean we know what will happen according to what God has promised. God never promised to keep us out of the fire. God never promised that He would keep us from trouble. But He has promised to sustain us by His grace regardless of the circumstances. And whatever it is that you are forced to face, whatever it is that you have to go through, you can know beyond any shadow of a doubt that God's going to keep His promise. Corey Tinboom, boy, young people, if you've never read her story, you owe it to yourself to, to read it over and over again if need be. But you, you need to understand what God can do in a person's life. And she said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. It goes right back where we started. Get the facts about God. When you know God and you have faith in God, there's no reason for you to be fearful of an unknown future. Yeah, we wonder, well, how's the election going to turn out? We wonder, we wonder about that young, that young boy laying up there in critical condition, how it's going to turn out. We wonder about situations in our life and how it's going to turn out. And it might not turn out good. It might turn out worse than you imagine. But the fact of the matter is God promised that His grace would be sufficient. As you face the future, you need to face it with those faithful promises in view. Not only that, you need to face the future with friends at your side. 
Boy, this is such a heart-touching story that, and you, and you read verse 16, 17, and 18 there. Verse 18, and when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. He's looking back now at the fellowship that he's had with them. Now notice verse 36. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down. Now they're there on the seashore. They have made this journey from Ephesus there to Miletus in order to be with him. They've tried to, they've tried to encourage him not to go because they know what's going to happen. And when they, he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Wow, what a heart-touching picture that is. Really, that's only a part of the picture because all through Paul's writings, you'll notice that Paul always put a great emphasis on others. He's the one that gave us nearly all of those one another phrases in the New Testament. The way that we are to interact with one another and support one another and what I mean again and again, he reminds us that we need one another. As you face the future, do it with friends at your side. That's why the Lord's church is so important, folks. Believe me, Jesus knew what we needed. He knew what He was doing when He established His church. He knew we need each other. And then I want you to notice something else about facing the future. You need to do it with farewells in mind. I just read verse 36 and verse 37, but notice verse 38. Sorrowing most of all for the words which He spake, that they should see His face no more. And they accompanied Him unto the ship. They knew this was going to be the last time they ever saw their dear friend. Point is, we better do what we what we should do while we can do it, because someday we can't. Eventually, our dearest earthly ties are going to be severed, and and regardless of what we have to face in the future, we need to be mindful one of another. I, I mentioned a prayer request earlier, and I said I would tell you about it as I was sitting in the office this morning uh, my cell phone rang. I picked it up. I noticed the the name, recognized the name. But more than that, as soon as I answered it, I I thought I recognized the voice. And I said, "Hello, buddy." And and the voice on the other end that said, uh, "This is not this is not Buddy. This is Matthew, his son. We buried Daddy yesterday." Wow. What a shock, because here is a man, and it goes all the way back to Humboldt, Tennessee. He was a man, and I performed the ceremony and married he and his wife, and Buddy had a prison ministry, and, and a prison ministry, and a nursing home ministry, and all of these years, he has been faithful to that, and he generally calls me every month or so wanting to know, and for years, he would call and say, hey, we need a Need a, we're looking for a pastor, just wondering if you'd be interested in coming back to Humboldt. And I, no, I'm, I'm going to stick here in Texas. And, uh, but Buddy was a dear friend and, uh, and just all of a sudden, 
all of a sudden he's gone now. And I'm telling you, folks, that's, listen, that's the way it's going to be with all of us. Uh, we, we need to face the future with farewells in mind because one of these days we're going to see each other for the last time. But there's something else here, and I know I could go on and on. Another thing about facing the future with our friends and farewells in mind, but also I think it's important that we understand that we ought to do it with our future rewards in mind. And I bring that up because when you look in verse number 35, Paul makes an interesting statement here. In fact, in, in fact, you, at first you wonder, well, why is he even talking about this? Because, you know, they're about to part company for the last time. But he said in verse 35, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak. He's reminding them of their duty, their responsibility, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That is a reminder that you're going to be rewarded for the, for the, for the work that you've done. In giving to the poor, whatever you do, you're going to be blessed as a result of it. And folks, we need to remember that there's a payday someday. And listen, we need to not just live our lives. Listen carefully to me now. Don't just live your life. Don't just exist. We ought to be investing our lives. Because a lot of the stuff that we do down here is not going to matter one bit up there. It's not important. Someone called the other day and is asking me about the biggest bass I ever caught. And I, you know, I, well, if you, some years ago that would have really excited me. And I, I just gave them the information. I, it doesn't matter. That's not important. It, it doesn't matter a bit. And so many times we, people spend their lifetime doing things that won't matter in eternity. Well, I've got to tell you, whenever I think about this and I look back at Paul, I'm still, I, I don't know how to put it, kind of in a state of shock to think about anyone could live life so successfully as he did. Doesn't that amaze you? And you know, I, I, I think I found the answer. And, and I don't want you to leave here without getting this. How do you explain such devotion in the face of such great difficulty? How do you explain that? Because all of us can say, you know, probably say, well, you know, I'm really trying, I'm really trying, but somewhere or another we keep failing. And how did he succeed whenever, when, when I keep failing? Well, the answer is in verse 19 and verse 24. Verse 19, he said that he served God with all humility of mind. Now, notice verse 24. He said, neither count I my life dear unto myself. Now, those two things go together. Because if you don't have humility of mind, if there's pride in your heart, you're going to think that you are so important that nothing bad better not ever happen to you or you're going to get bent out of shape about it, right? But here's a man who said, I am the chiefest of sinners. Here's a man who was so humble that he said, my life doesn't even matter. I don't count my life as being dear unto myself. My life is not important to me. That's what he's saying. And you look in verse 33. He said, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. 
This is the same guy that said in Philippians, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. How can you do that? The only way that you can do that is to realize since we don't deserve anything, we ought to be thankful for everything and complain about nothing. I said we ought to. I didn't say that I succeeded that. But I ought to. I don't deserve anything. I mean, absolutely nothing. The only thing I deserve is hell. If I got what I deserved, that's where I'd go. And the same thing's true of you. You don't deserve to be forgiven. You don't deserve to have a meal uh, this afternoon. We don't deserve any of this. So if we don't deserve it, then, you know, then we ought to, ought to be thankful for whatever God gives us and not complain about anything. Kind of like the old saying that, you know, somebody, somebody said, he who deserves a lynching shouldn't complain about a beating. Right? And, and, and yet all of the time we're so dissatisfied with life when look around and think about what you've got and how good God is. Every person here would like to have a trouble-free, pain-free, care-free, prosperous, pleasant, joyful future. We all want that, right? But I'm telling you, things could get a lot worse than you ever imagined. That's true of you personally. It's true of your family. It's true of this church. It's true of this nation. And the problem is here in America where we have been so spoiled, we don't handle adversity very well. Things don't go our way and we fall to pieces. Things don't go our way. What? Well, there are some folks that don't go their way. They start burning down buildings, shooting people and stuff like that. We've been so spoiled that we don't know how to handle adversity. And it's only by the grace of God that we are able to endure whatever comes our way. We can pretend all we want that everything is a fool's game whenever we do that. The only way for us to banish the fear in our life and to be at peace is what? Is to face the future with the facts about God and faith in God and all of the other things that I've mentioned. And by the grace of God, whatever happens Tuesday, whatever happens Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or any point in your future, if you'll do what Paul did, and you can, that's up to you. If we'll do that, we can face the future like he did with a bold determination that we're not going to quit and we're not going to give in. And it's, listen, and in the end, in the end, some way, somehow, God's going to take all of that bad stuff and make some good stuff out of it. That's what he promised. He'll do that. But let me tell you, and I'm through. If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have no hope for the future whatsoever. You can live in a mansion and drive a big fancy car and you, you can have your name up in lights and be well known the world over, but the minute you die, you're going to be in a devil's hell. You're going to lose everything you've got. You have no future without Christ. If you want to face the future, there's only one thing you can do to make it better, and that's to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. How about it? 
How does your future look this morning? It depends on you and your relationship with God. Let's all stand together. Father, how thankful we are for that old song that says, I don't know about tomorrow, and we certainly don't. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but Lord, we know who holds tomorrow. We know that our times are in Your hands. And Lord, this morning we just trust You to work out all of these all of these confusing, difficult things that we are forced to face. We know You never make any mistakes. So help us not to question Your wisdom or Your love or Your goodness, but to put our faith in You. Help us to be an example to others. And Lord, I think about Paul and how those elders from Ephesus must have felt when they saw that great man sail away. It must have been, it must have been thrilling in their heart to know they had met such a spiritual giant. And help us to be an example to others that, that we come in contact with. That they might see something, not something of Paul, but that they might see something of Jesus in us. For we ask it all in His dear name. While we stand and as we sing together this morning, if God's speaking to your heart, if you need to do something about your future, would you come? I have decided.